This episode of the Adoption Connection podcast is sponsored by Faith, Hope, and Connection, a 30-day devotional for adoptive and foster parents. In this book, you'll find real, often raw, stories from adoptive and foster parents in the trenches. You'll find scripture and faith-filled hope pointing you to Jesus, and you'll find honest reflections speaking courage to your soul and reminding you that you are not alone. This devotional is a gift to you from 30 authors, all foster and adoptive parents, who offer a window into their own lives and families. You'll recognize yourself time and time again in their words. Do not miss this devotional. This devotional is available on Amazon, both in softcover or Kindle version. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Today is a Mentor Moments episode where we answer a listener question. These episodes give you a chance to join the conversation and guarantee we're providing the most helpful tools and resources for exactly where you are. And this week's question is, my child has more challenges than nearly any other child I know. Should I have my child tested and diagnosed? Yeah, it's such a good question. I do get asked this a lot about diagnoses and what the benefits are and if there's any drawbacks. Having walked through this with four kids now, this is kind of where I land. Diagnoses are really, really good if they're going to help you get more help, support, and or services that you know will serve your child well. Diagnosing kind of just for a diagnosis is not always super helpful. I was one of those people that didn't want to get a diagnosis because I didn't want to label my child. I didn't want to box them in. I didn't want it to follow them through, you know, all of school, all of their life, especially if we were able to come to a point of healing where it really didn't apply anymore. And we definitely have um, one of our kids who was diagnosed with multiple pretty scary diagnoses and does not have a single symptom of any of those diagnoses except some residual anxiety. But we've also found that there are some really helpful things in terms of therapies, how insurance covers things that require a diagnosis. In that case, I think it's totally worth it. Yeah, sometimes a diagnosis will open up sources of funding for kids. Different states have different kinds of funding. It will open up, like you were saying, insurance coverage for things that you might have been paying for on your own can give some opportunities. And if your kids are in school, it definitely provides extra support for them, either through a 504 plan or an IEP that's even more specified and supportive for a child. So I think it does offer some benefits for families, but it also has some negatives. Can you talk about that? Well, I know that a lot of diagnoses have kind of a stigma around them. And so especially if you know, someone who's helping, you know, who's on your child's team, a teacher or a sports coach or someone who you disclose the diagnosis to, it may actually work against your child. So I think in that case, one, you don't have to disclose diagnoses to everyone. And so I would just be careful who you disclose to. And two, if you do disclose, maybe provide some education around that, about what that means for your particular child, you know, just some practicals for how that would affect how that particular adult or caretaker for your child would interact with your child. So let's say that your child has an oppositional defiance disorder diagnosis. You may or may not want to disclose the actual diagnosis, but you could definitely say to a coach or a teacher, hey, my child may seem to really struggle with following instructions, but we've found that 
a really good way to get his buy-in is to offer him two choices rather than just telling him what he needs to do. You know, the more he feels included in the group or the classroom or the team or whatever, um, the more likely he is to go along with the plan. Yeah, that's a good point. I was just thinking about how sometimes a diagnosis can actually help the child themselves. Like my youngest was diagnosed. We finally did some testing and he was diagnosed with ADHD. I think it's helped him understand his struggles, that he's not a bad kid. The reason he's struggling so much more than his peers in terms of being still in class or not blurting things out is that he actually has a condition that makes it hard for him. And when I took him to meet his new teacher, I asked his permission to tell her that he takes medication in the morning for ADHD and that on occasion we forget and then, you know, he needs to get it at school. And anyhow, she was so great. And she said to him, well, tell me, what does it look like? What will I see if you've maybe not taken your medication? And he was able to tell her, he said, well, I'll probably talk too much. And, and then he went through a few different things that he recognizes about himself that the ADHD is part of his, you know, it kind of pulls some of these behaviors together for him in his mind. And I, I think it's really helpful for him. Yeah. I think the other part to that is we have always been very open with our kids about diagnoses and or what that means for their brain. I'm a really, I'm a brain science nerd now after having all of these kids with difficulties and from trauma. And yep, that, that's true. I'll just add that right here. That's definitely true. You are a brain science nerd. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. So, it is. So we, um, so even if we go for a diagnosis, a lot of times we'll explain to them why we looked for that diagnosis, because sometimes we're not looking to label them. We're looking for a service. And so we're not trying to say like, oh, I think you're a bad kid. Or I think sometimes we're not like, I don't even think you have this, but if we let a doctor say you have this, then we'll be able to get you this service or this extra help for you. Also explaining as best as we can or as best as we know what that means in terms of their brain. And we've done things like brain scans and other tests and things that really get into that. And so we're able to say, well, like, we just know that this particular frequency of your brain isn't there as in the same way that it is in other kids' brains. And so that is why this behavior looks this way or this thing looks that way. And so I think it's really helpful for them. And then more importantly, it's really helpful for me because I always think like our kids with invisible disabilities, for someone who's such a concrete thinker, I really struggle with sometimes seeing a behavior and remembering that it's part of a disability. And I always think like if I had a child who was a paraplegic who didn't get out of his wheelchair and walk around during the day. And so I would have to help him toilet or get food or, you know, all the things that that would require of me as a caretaker. I would like to think I wouldn't be angry at this child who wouldn't just get up and get his own snack, right? But I find myself being really frustrated at my child who I know has a diagnosed brain condition and permanent brain damage. And when I have to remind him to do things, it drives me nuts, but really he can't. It's just the way his brain is built or not built. So being helpful to the mindset of our kids, but then also being helpful to the mindset for us, just so that our compassion is greater and doesn't expire every day. Absolutely. I found that for me, I just have more patience when I think about my kids' diagnoses of say PTSD or ADHD or different things. It does give me more compassion for them. I have to be careful though, because 
of my particular personality, I have to be careful not to let that become an excuse. I have compassion, but I'm, I want to put things in place for them to help them succeed. It's just something I have to work through in my mind when one of my child's uh, behaviors is really irritating me. You know, is this just regular tough kid behavior, or is it specifically because of this condition? So it's something that I have to work out to balance for myself. I think that's huge. And I think it's hard and it's like a forever balance of like radically accepting our kids exactly where they are, but then also not giving up on them. So I feel like that's a tension I'm in all the time. And you know, there's another thing that is useful in terms of diagnosis, and that is sometimes it can actually give our child some protection. Melissa, do you want to talk a little bit about that? We've talked about it together, but I think our listeners would be interested too. Well, I mean, it just comes from watching one of my particular kids and just thinking, I can't protect him forever. And there's a very good possibility that he's going to do something that's just impulsive and not well thought out as an adult. And there's a really good possibility that he could be charged for doing something that was Mm -hmm. impulsive. You know, it's definitely like worst case scenario, but I felt like in his case, his diagnosis, I think will protect him if heaven forbid that should ever come to fruition and that he would, you know, possibly get be seen as someone who maybe needed more support and not as someone who was a criminal. Um, So that was one of the reasons besides my sanity and ability to accept him where he was. um, That was another piece of the puzzle. And then also the ability to be able to continue to help him navigate what his needs are beyond 18. Because I don't know, I mean, we have older kids and you have some older kids, Lisa, and I had never thought this far ahead until obviously our kids were older, but you know, once they turn 18, the law sees them as capable of caring for their own things. You no longer can check in with the doctor and see what's going on or manage medication or I don't, there's so many things that I took for granted that I have been helping my kids do. And then as a couple of them have turned 18, all of a sudden, like it's not a gradual like transition, like boom, you're just cut out of their life <laughs> from a professional standpoint. And so we have a couple kids that I think would benefit from having us be able to help them navigate that system a little bit longer. And so a diagnosis can help you get guardianship, you know, some just legal allowance for you to continue to have a say in how your child is being helped or treated beyond 18. That's really good. That's really important to consider depending on the type of behaviors and the type of condition your child has. I mean, right now we're not talking about something like ADHD. We're talking about actual brain development challenges either, well, it could be trauma, could be exposure, could be all kinds of different things. I mean, I have a friend whose child had cerebral malaria, you know, so there are a lot of things that affect kids' brains that if they do have a diagnosis could provide them some protection and support in their adulthood as well. Some things to think about when you're going for a diagnosis, there's lots of places to get diagnoses depending on what type of diagnosis you're going after. I always think it's a great idea for families to be walking alongside a trauma-informed like therapist um, or social worker or someone who can help them just navigate this. Obviously, therapists can diagnose things like PTSD or attachment disorders. There's really not like testing so much, but it's more through relationship and getting to know your child that you can get those diagnoses. Things like sensory processing 
processing disorder and ADHD and things like that, those come through either like a neuropsych or they can come through the school system or your pediatrician. Know that you can get the same diagnosis through multiple channels. And sometimes that's helpful because it can kind of be corroborating. Um, But also know that some diagnoses, depending on where they're received from, don't always transfer into other venues. So a diagnosis by your school system for like an IEP may not get you insurance coverage. You may need to get an additional diagnosis from a medical provider or something like that. On the flip side, a diagnosis from a medical provider should go a long way, if not be fully acceptable by the school system. So the school system in most states getting that is usually free. So that's you know a great place to start, but um, you might want another medical professional to kind of corroborate a diagnosis for you. Another thing to note also is that a diagnosis doesn't really change how your child should be parented. So um, Lisa and I are both fans of using connected parenting with kids by birth and adoption regardless of the diagnosis. And so, like I said, we've walked through this with four kids now. Some of them are grown and already gone, and they have a whole variety of diagnoses. And these connected parenting techniques kind of work no matter what. So I hope this is helpful to our friend who submitted this question. If you would like to submit a question for a future episode, send an email to email at theadoptionconnection.com or leave a message for us at our number 208-741-3880. We promise nobody will answer. You just get to leave your question and record it and then you might get to hear it on air, which would be great. If you need more personalized help, We also offer private coaching. For more info, you can head to our website, theadoptionconnection.com, and click services, and you will find it there. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom, doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.